0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Oh, I missed the sounds of that intro because that means that Papa Greg Wyshynski is joining me now. (laughs) Hello, Wish. How is how is second fatherhood?
0: It's good, man. So I've been so my daughter Iris was born on January 11th. For those who don't know, she's wonderful. So everybody's happy and healthy. It's good. Uh, I've uh, learned that. So my older daughter is 13 uh, so it's a pretty good spread mm-hmm. there. And I've learned that having a child uh, 13 years after your first one, it's kind of like when you don't buy a new car for a long time, which is something I also experienced <laughs> oh, recently. They, and so, like, they, you go the you buy The kids now a new have, car, have,
1: have, have nicer features?
0: They, right. <laughs> like, the first time I, I went and bought a new car, it was after the uh, backup camera had become standardized on, on cars, you know, oh, a game changer. And so yeah, I, game, yeah, yeah, I was marveling changer, at it. I'm like, oh, I don't gotta look over my shoulder no more. So the the big difference for me from daughter to daughter has been the increase in technology. Like we've got something that sanitizes the bottles. We got something that distributes the formula that sounds like a coffee maker. There's a thing you put on her foot to monitor on your phone what her sleep is like. Like it's it's I, I feel like I had a, a, a kid on the Jetsons or something. The way that this technology ah. has leapt forward since yep. the last time I did yep. this.
1: It's because uh, I've had the same experience as well. Um, but here's the thing: I don't know about you, but it always makes me wonder how I survived childhood. Like you know, pictures <laughs> of like old playgrounds we used to play in, or like think like I remember my you know my, my parents telling me like. When they brought me home from the hospital, like I was in the front seat in a basket. That was it. Yeah. There was like yeah. no seat belts, no child. Like I was in a basket. Basket. like I was just being sent up the river. Or they had maybe rescued me from a river. I don't know. But like you ever have those moments? I'm sure you do. I think we all do. We look back at our childhood and say, A, what were we thinking? And B, what were our parents thinking? Uh, Everything was I a death so. trap from like our, our bedrooms to the garage to the cars to the playground to to sports. I remember my first year of hockey. My first year of hockey how old I am wish my first year of hockey uh helmets were mandatory and that was it. <laughs> that was it yeah. <laughs> like, i think like what were we from thinking bo- seven years but old get out those, there
0: most of those emotions for me i think were in the lead-up to to her being born like there's so much testing and there's so much that you know about your kid in the womb now before before they're born yeah and, and i and that obviously was not anything uh when i was uh when i was in my mommy's tummy and if it was I'm sure you know, she probably couldn't yeah. read the chart through all the cigarette smoke. Uh, so that <laughs> <it's> would... <laughs>
1: like... <laughs> You know. Okay. So this this is to to um, this is to all the doctors out there. I will refuse to be impressed with ultrasound until it can tell us if the child is a left hand shot or right hand shot. Until then, I refuse <laughs> to be impressed. I just need to know which way they're predisposed to shoot because yeah. you know yeah have a right-hand shot it's extra 10% on the contract you know want a cottage at Lake Muskoka let's make sure yeah. we produce a right-hand shot here everyone's so fixated on it's got to be a boy or it's got to be a girl there's there's men's and women's leagues now out of extra 10% if it's a right, can we please just get an ultrasound machine that can tell us whether the child will be a right or left-hand shot wish
0: you're like, "Doctor, doctor, can you tell if my child will be a center?" And they're like, "Your child is a winger who takes face-offs. You're like, "Well, that doesn't help."
1: See, <laughs> Canadian ultrasound, "I have great news, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. It's a right-hand shot. <laughs> uh, you know what today is? Uh, and congratulations. Uh health and happiness you. to you and your family. It's uh, it's it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um you know what today's the 38th anniversary of? What's he that? Said randomly. Youngblood. The movie the Youngblood. Movie Youngblood. Wow. Wow. 38th. Um, my, sis, my sister was an extra in that movie. I was too busy playing hockey myself. I also would have gone. She had a lot of free time on her hands. And she was an extra in the movie. And I've got a picture somewhere in here of her with Cynthia Gibb outside Lakeshore Lions Arena. Youngblood, wow. 38 years old today.
0: Obviously, not as, as impressive as uh, Bruce Boudreaux being a, an extra in shots, But uh, the, the mm-hmm. thing of two things about this. First of all, obviously, amazing that Dean Youngblood himself uh, is now a, an accomplished game show host on American television. Rob Lowe is hosting a show <laughs> called The Floor right yes. now. Uh, and the second yep. thing is would you say that the biggest legacy from Youngblood all these years later is the goalie mask? Would you say that's the legacy? Or yes, or, or is it Patrick yes. Swayze being in a hockey movie?
1: Although uh, Swayze in hockey movies is pretty cool. Um, the mask certainly. I'll tell you, you know, the, the one. It's it's so funny. I mean, we're we're all different. Like when I say slap shot, I'm sure there's like one thing that burns into your mind right away. Or Mighty Ducks, there's some one particular scene that jumps out at you. You know, whenever I hear, <laughs> whenever I hear the name slap shot, there's one image that jumps to my mind, and that is the gym scene. The workout scene where (laughs) Steve Thomas and the late, great, a man, he was like a dear friend to Peter Zazzle, who was like the nicest guy you ever want to meet, uh, were working out uh, without shirts on, but they still had their hockey pants and shin pads on. Like, that's what hockey players do. They, like, go to the gym. It was like Mike Keenan was coaching this team and it's like, you're not getting out of here. Or, or John Brophy making Ally Afraidy, you know, ride the bike, take off your skates and get on the bike. In my equipment? In your equipment. it's like they had been punished by going to the gym and still had to wear their hockey gear. And they were just, like, all, like, Torn up like bad report guards and ripped and all that. I always thought it was funny watching someone like do, do curls and bench press wearing hockey pants. I don't know why that's the main visual that sticks with me from Youngblood Wish, but there it is for me.
0: One of the things about Youngblood I always liked was the detail that um, Patrick Swayze had never played hockey before, but he had been trained as a figure skater. (laughs) So young Youngblood is kind of the unofficial precursor of the cutting edge, I think, in some ways. uh, but also chess. He
1: was the he the he he was Jeff Skinner before Jeff Skinner. (laughs) He was clearly Jeff Skinner is Patrick Swayze
0: of the NHL.
1: Anyhow, congratulations, young blood. Love you. Bless you. Um, all right. To hockey. Okay, so I started the show off by grossing, by complaining, um, oh, by feeling yeah. bad for myself because I watched two dogs. Yeah, I saw two dogs last night. Did you watch those games last night, Wish? No, not or at all. did you have something better to I, do, like changing I was, diapers?
0: I, so, like, first of all, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time that they've scheduled all of the bye weeks around the All-Star break. Is that accurate? I think so, yeah. I think so, too. And and so I kind of like it because I think it's an, a really nice break for some of these guys. You know, I feel bad that, you know, some of these boys have to be glad-handing sponsors and trying to figure out how to play Conor McDavid's reindeer games on Friday night while their buddies are in a hammock in Cabo. <laughs> but, but that being said, like, I, this week seems so perfunctory, doesn't it? Like, I looked at the games— Leading up to the All Star break, I'm like, uh, I, I don't, I don't have any reason to really watch. Nothing compelled me. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, hold on. What? Did you, uh, do you remember a little incident that we like to refer to as uh, David Perron and Artem Zub? Because uh, the sure. Detroit and Ottawa are getting back together tonight.
0: Okay, that's fine. That's great, but like. Uh, you know, it, it just felt. You look at the schedule; it's like it's like little dots here, and dashes of games leading up to the All Star break. There isn't yeah. like a, a, a you 15 know what, it, or, or sixteen okay. teamer uh, at an end point during the week.
1: Yeah. So here, so you were smart. Um, I mean, I just do it sort of like out of habit. It's like, okay, I got to watch these games. Like it's my job. I got to watch these games. Um, for for one, St. Louis had like the first wild card spot on the line, and they could not. They the St. Louis Blues yesterday played like a team that has all been like every single person has been getting pictures uh on the beach from all their buddies on other teams (laughs) saying missing you while they still have another game and they're like and they were determined not to get injured so they could join them that's what that looked like I've been harping on St. Louis a lot but that's kind of how I felt that's what that St. Louis Blues team played like last night. Good on Murzlikens. Really happy for that guy. Hope he gets a good change oh, of scenery yeah. and his his career gets a, a shot in the arm. His his interview after, because he's so incapable of saying anything that's not honest or how he feels was another brilliant one as well. I'll go have a listen to mers last night too. But man, St. Louis was just a dog yesterday. But again, like they played like a team that's really PO'd, that all their friends are already at the beach and they gotta play another hockey game.
0: Right, and that's kind of how I felt about these games this week. Let's talk about the wild card for a second. Okay, so I know that okay. everybody's freaking out about the Kings. I, I read a lot of, of, of threads recently on like Reddit and places of, of people talking about how McClellan should be fired and yada, yada, yada. Let me, let me, let me proffer this. Yeah. What's the one thing that can't happen for the LA Kings in the playoffs? That's correct. They cannot play the Oilers in the first round. We have to avoid the Oilers the first round <laughs> at all costs, right? Okay. okay. So if, the, if you are five points in back of the Oilers, and they've got two in hand on you, the Oilers are 12 yeah. points in back of the Vancouver Canucks. They're not, they're not catching Vancouver. If, if the Oilers no. make the playoffs within the context of the Pacific Division, it's going to probably be in the 2-3 series, most likely against Vegas, if, if the Kings continue <sighs> to so kind of like stumble. That's so good. Right. So, so that means you, you don't have to play the Oilers in the first round if you're the Kings. But he, and I think that's exactly what you want But here's the to problem.
1: What? But here's the problem. They can't stop, um, what's the word I'm looking for? losing.
0: <laughs> no, that's the problem. There is, there is a caveat to the plan, which is that you have to actually <laughs> make the playoffs. And now all of a sudden you're in a mix oh, with like that thing. You know, six other teams that all think they all of a sudden have a shot. I talked to a GM the other day, Merrick. We were talking about the trade deadline. And he's like, "Look, yeah, the math changed on the on the on the on the trade deadline. The minute the Los Angeles Kings came back to the pack, because all these guys yep. thought that there was going to be one spot available. Now all of a sudden, it's probably two, um, unless they find their stride mm-hmm. again, and they probably will. But right now, it's two. Uh, so you're right. There there is the caveat that they actually have to do make the playoffs. But right now, if you're playing, you know, five D chess like Rob Blake, ultimately is." You're missing out on having to play the Oilers in the first round if you are the wild card team.
1: Again, if you make it, they've lost 14 of 16. They have one shot to sort of redeem themselves here on this road trip uh, against the Nashville Predators. Uh, and then we'll see what, where, where we go from there. Um, you know, if, if, Kings are an interesting team and Drew Doughty's one of the most interesting guys in the NHL because I like players that lead you on a guessing game, that lead you on a sort of uh, think tank game. You know, we've seen this before. Like when when Devon Taves called out players on his team, everyone started going, okay, who's he talking about here? Okay, which, which players are selfish and not playing the right way? And is it this guy? Or is it that guy? And then Drew Doughty essentially did the same thing in that loss against the Buffalo Sabres a week and a half ago. And we all said, oh, clearly he's talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois. No, 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 no. He's talking about Kevin Fiala. No, 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 you're both wrong. He's talking about Adrian Kempe. The thing about it is once you do something like that, you better play way better than the Kings played against Colorado on that Friday night specifically. (laughs) I get that it's Colorado, but do you not, like when you call you guys out like that, do you not need to come with a better effort? Like It was that first period against Colorado where I said, I thought the Kings were in trouble, now I know the Kings are in trouble after that first period against Colorado last Friday.
0: So do you fire McClellan?
1: I don't. I try to get a goalie. I think this is I don't think that this is a I don't think this is a problem of coaching. I think this is a problem of composition. Like here's the other thing. You know it's funny. Yeah. I had this conversation with someone a couple of days ago who said uh, if you catch him in a moment of candor and all the microphones are off and this isn't going out on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. It's just a conversation amongst two people. You think Rob Blake wants his trades back? The Winnipeg one and the Minnesota one?
0: The, the Winnipeg one, definitely. And he might, might want that contract back too at this point. I mean, let's be honest. He's He's been kind of a disaster. Yeah. And, and a disaster in the way that you don't want him to be a disaster, which is that Pierre-Luc Dubois is now a lightning rod. For, for everybody to kind of put their concerns and their consternation. It's one thing when you trade for a guy and, and hope that he's part of a larger puzzle to maybe win a Stanley Cup. It's another thing when you trade for a guy mm-hmm. and sort of quasi-anoint him as the heir apparent to your number one center, which is exactly what they did in Oof. giving people out that contract. It's like when Kopitar ages out and retires and his numbers in the rafters, you're going to be the guy, and now that yeah. looks like a disaster. Um, it's going to be it, byfield, by, by the way. Well, maybe, sure. But, like, here's the thing about the goaltending that's sort of interesting, which is that I don't think this is an indictment of what Blake's ultimate plan was, which is to throw a few goalies behind what he felt was going to be a dominant team and kind of do the Vegas thing. Like, do the goaltending on a cheap, have the team in front of him be dominant. I think there's still a path to making that happen. Problem being is I think the Phoenix Copley injury really undid a lot of that. And so they do have to go get a goalie. Like all due respect to Riddich, who's played really well. Um, like mm-hmm. I think that you need to go get yourself a goalie to throw them into that tandem. And again, if your plan is to do the Vegas thing, what did Vegas do all last year? They're collecting goalies like Pokemon last year. Like you got to go get another goalie, throw them in that
1: mix, <laughs> and hope that the team in front of them turns around. But isn't that? But but isn't that sort of the, the 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 way of the NHL? Like you can have one or the other, but you have to have one of them. Either you have the goaltender or a combination of goaltenders or you have an elite squad of blue liners that know how to defend like i've been trying to make this not thing, blue like line, all, all season long but it's not long. blue like, liners it, anymore though it uh, uh, it's it's oh i don't effort. know like the, how did how did dude how did, look at the how devils how last Vegas year the devils last year it was their back end
0: the devils last year yeah i agree like yeah i mean you, you're building around theodore and and, and petrangelo and, and martinez like you're doing pretty good for yourself but at the same time, like the team in front of those guys knew how to defend. You have Mark Stone up front. You've got Marsha So up front. You've got guys that know how to defend up front. The Devils last year were a good example mm-hmm. of this. Like you know, all due respect to Dougie Hamilton, he's not exactly a, a premium shutdown defenseman, but the team as a whole knew how to play with speed, knew how to play with pace, knew how to get back after rushing up the ice to insulate their goaltending. That to me, that's the way of the NHL is: total team effort defensively. In front of a goaltending that's that's thrifty and 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 at least doesn't lose you a series, and that's kind of what the Kings thought they had this year. May still have it, but certainly need to replace Copley at some point.
1: Um, just randomly, hard hard change of topic here. You know what? I, you know what? Which team I cannot figure out? It's a team that lost to the San Jose Sharks last night. First of all, great performance by Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, I love David Quinn saying he looks like King Kong. Anytime you can talk about King Kong, it's a good day. <laughs> um who are the Seattle Kraken who uh, depend- in the hell are the Seattle Kraken depends on the week
0: you know it really does it's, it does it's, too it's right kind of it really is kind of weird I mean like like look uh you know for a good run of this year, they were a, a team that was playing better but ultimately getting bailed out by the emergence of Joey DeCord, right? Like that's kind of where it was. Mm-hmm. They're a hard team to figure out, and I think that's that's part and parcel with the trade deadline and and what this team is ultimately going to do. Like, how do they view themselves? You know, do they view themselves as a, as a team that could really go and and make noise in the playoffs again? Do they view themselves as a team mm-hmm. that needs to kind of maybe start to peel away some of the the expansion acquisitions and, and transition into something a little bit more long term? I don't know. I, I think it's a fascinating question. As to what this team ultimately is, um, but I do know that, like, if you, had, if you had asked me what the Seattle Kraken were a month ago, uh, I would have said, you know, a, a, a team counting its lottery odds, and and now they're right back in it. I mean, if they get in as a wild card team, it's it's hard to say how you approach the future after that because that's two playoff
1: qualifications in a row. Yeah, how do you? I I, I, I look at this team, I. I don't know. They're the one, the, the, the one of the teams that really confused me because we've seen like you always see a lot of different versions of teams all throughout a year, like 82 games a lot. So you're going to see a lot of different versions. But the problem with um, the problem with uh, the Seattle Kraken is you've seen so many versions of this team, but I don't know which one is the real version. Like you look at the Edmonton Oilers, for example, and we've seen two very distinctive versions of Edmonton. You know, the one that's on the sixteen-game rip that we're saying, like, Steam could could win the Stanley Cup," and then there's the one at the beginning of the season where you say to yourself, uh, "Can anyone check for a pulse here? Like, this is this is this is mm-hmm. awful." Seattle, I just I just have no clue. Like, really, so- like, honestly, like this. At times, they look like a traditional expansion team, and then when they went on that rip not too long, ago, they look like a Vegas-style expansion team. Honestly, wish. So, I ask you legitimately, not even as a conversation starter, I just don't know. I have no clue about Seattle. So
0: let's look under the hood. Let's look under the hood. Obviously, last year, they were sure. the beneficiary of a preposterously high shooting percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. Like, they were... And Daniel were, Yeah, they were outkicking the coverage on that. Um, if you look inside mm-hmm. the numbers right now, their expected goals for per 60 is higher than their actual goals for per 60, which means that they're not scoring as much as they should. And their goals against yeah. per 60 expected is higher than their actual goals against, which tells you that their goaltending has been better than expected. Um, so mm-hmm. the numbers tell you they should be a better offensive team and a worse defensive team. <laughs> so it's basically what we're looking at right now. And uh, and right now, you know, they're in the thick of things. And I think that part of the reason they seem to so jekyll and hide is because sometimes they... They regress to what they should be, uh, both offensively and defensively. And other times, they're 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 above what what they sh- they're expected to do.
1: It, it's fascinating too. Like I'm, I'm curious about. Uh, well, first of all, this is a team that, as we saw at the World Juniors, loaded with prospects. Like St. Louis, loaded with prospects as well. And we're we'll probably going to see Jimmy Snuggerud by the end of the season in St. Louis, uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But this, the Seattle Kraken have a lot of good players. That are coming, and I know that you know every general manager says, "Oh, we got a lot of good players coming." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some players. Like I want NHL guys. like in the lineup right now. But the future does look bright for the Seattle Kraken. They have really drafted well. You got to tip your cap um, to that to that entire crew. They've done a, a really good job. But part of me can't help thinking what you what you mentioned off the top is like, okay, how do they see themselves? And if they see themselves as a perennial contender, now that they've made the playoffs, checks notes once. Albeit they knocked yeah. off the Stanley Cup champions, <laughs> you know, do they do do they do something different here? Like, do they do something as wild as you know making a trade for Tomas... I don't know. Why I'm so fascinated with Tomash Hurdle lately, but for Tomash Hurdle at the end of the season, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a and maybe a, you, you don't resign Alexander Venberg. Although I do think that they might. Um, and do you go that direction because in your minds you've done it once and now your fans expect it every single. Year, so that's why I don't know. And then you say to yourself, okay, so which is the which is the real Matt Baneers, the one we saw last season, called the trophy, or the one we're seeing struggling and seeing minutes reduced and assignment reduced and going from you know the uh the penthouse all the way down to the first floor, maybe even the basements at times. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a clue. They, they baffled me. And they h- baffled me again h- last night. They, a couple First two periods, I looked great, and then just fell apart. Against the Sharks. Merrick, Merrick where
0: did this hurdle thing come from? Like, are, are you saying that a guy who negotiated a full no-move clause in his contract and lives in the Bay Area is going to willfully waive that no-move clause. Like, have you not been following the San Jose Sharks for the last 13 years to see how it works when a guy get gets that. to live in one of the most beautiful places in the world and is given a no I movement clause that. and is paid handsomely? Like, even if the team sucks, yeah. that guy probably is not leaving.
1: It's a great place to live. I get all that. The only thing is, uh, a lot of it, honestly, from the last couple of days, is from uh, Curtis Pichelka's piece where he interviewed him and he talked about this very thing for next season. Does he, you know, does uh, does Mike Greer want me to move on? Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what the future is right now. Uh, how close are we? I'm not getting any younger. Like, I don't know. Whenever, whenever you hear players starting to talk like that, you know, I'm sure that you know. Listen, like, look, look what's happened with Tomas Hertl. Thomas Hurdle has sat there watching Brent Burns leave. Thomas Hurdle mm-hmm. is sat there watching Eric Carlson leave. He's sat there watching Timo I Meyer think, last year leave. I, I think and depending on health, he will probably watch
0: Logan Couture leave uh, at some point, you know?
1: Maybe Logan Couture sure. as well. Like everyone around him is kind of this murder on the Orient Express. Right, all the lights flickered, and one character's missing. Uh oh, what happened there? Like that's I, I saw, what I saw that like too for Hurdle over the last few years.
0: I saw that interview too. I think sometimes when players say that, it's less about what they intend to do and more about expressing a concern that they hope their general manager knows what they need to do <laughs> to make the team better, or else you have to have the larger conversation yeah. about where they're going to end up. But again, like when you negotiate a contract that's eight years long with no move. Um, and you are fat and happy in the Bay Area, as we've seen many, many other sharks be. Now, granted, those teams were, you know, a bit more competitive than this one. I, I'm still in a. I'll believe it when I see it. When it comes to a guy giving waving his no move to move out of the Bay Area.
1: Okay, his stuff you, is there. Did you believe the? Uh, <laughs> did you believe the announced? Did you, did you did you did you believe the announced attendance last night in San Jose at ten thousand nine hundred and eighty eight? Dude, they they
0: have they have a lot of heavy lifting to do to rebuild that fan base. You know, I lived out there for 2 years. Really yeah, enjoyed know. my time yeah. there and and really enjoyed covering that team uh until in- well, until COVID. And, and then it got really bad. And then uh mm. and then and then you know, I've seen that fan base kind of atrophy. Um it's one of the reasons why I am silently hoping that they can win the draft lottery because I do think that having a new focal point for that franchise is vitally important because they're very aimless right now. There's there's all this talk about, mm-hmm. you know, what they want to do, you know, uh, maybe a new building at some point, but they've got to kind of figure things out as far as re-energ- re-energizing that fan base because undoubtedly when the sharks are good, it's one of my favorite places to visit and see a cool. game. When, it's a great atmosphere, great fan base, and I think a team that has uh, you know, infinite earning potential given where they play. But li- right now, it's just like it, they're they're dead team
1: walking until they can find the next phase of whatever they're going to be. Okay, one of the things that you and I have always agreed on is uh, we got no time for people that grouse about the All-Star. You don't like it? Fine. Not everything's <laughs> for you. Cool. Realize that in your life. You out there who complain about and many of these are my colleagues and your colleagues as well. You don't like don't it? Know. Cool. It's not for you. It's okay. Not everything's for you. Like, so it's, it's all right. It's, um, part part I of do that, like, dude, I, part I do, of
0: that... Hold on. Part... Part of that is that people that are that are our age remember the mystique of what meant to represent <laughs> the Wales and the Campbell or the East and the West, like it yeah, meant something and, is... and also we remember the novelty of seeing all these guys play hockey with each other well before they got a chance to on on you know the Olympics and World Cup and places like that so there 's a romanticism that yeah, I understand for true. it, but my God, if you get better into shape about this silly exhibition weekend that's meant to placate sponsors i don't
1: i don't know what to tell you look if if that's the worst thing that's going to happen to you on the weekend that these players (laughs) are going to play as i like to call it the world's greatest beer league game if that's the worst thing that's going to happen to you on the weekend count your blessings say you know what my life's pretty good if this is the one thing that i have to complain about you're doing all right in life, if this is the worst. Um, but the one thing that I, that I really like, and I'm kind of embarrassed at myself for not even considering this as a possibility for skills. I like the idea of crowning a champion. What I would like even more is if, if at the end of it they award a pro wrestling style belt or a trophy or something like that to the, to the grand champion. Uh, what do you think about the way they are doing the skills competition, crowning one ultimate <clears throat> hockey skill champion?
0: So, uh, first of all, I, I think there's a, a better than good chance that someone's getting a belt because the WWE has made partnerships with all these leagues to give out belts. So maybe mm-hmm. there's one, Cook, and who's to yep. say? Maybe you know more than I do. Maybe you're giving the uh, the old rights holder wink, wink, nudge, nudge on a championship no, belt.
1: No, no, you're a rights all holder, right. too. You're a rights holder, too. Right. It's not just me oh, anymore. Me, I, it's too. you ish dragged you in I, mainstream, in America. mainstream, I, Greg.
0: I, 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 I know I'm a rights holder. Trust me. Uh, so the uh, when I, I interviewed Connor McDavid today for, for ESPN, yeah, and uh, it's a good Q and A. And in fact, if if you're interested, I did talk to Connor about uh, his pending uh, nuptials this summer and how one mm-hmm. plans for such a thing when you're Connor McDavid. But he said something interesting in one of his answers about the skills competition. He said he used the word the crown. Now that could just be the nebulous who wins a tournament crown. But part of me's like wouldn't it be dope to see these guys actually wear a crown? Oh. Like like a full-on wait, 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 King wait. of England crown. Uh, if they win Not the skills competition. Not
1: just a crown. I want a robe and a staff. <laughs> like I don't just I don't just want a crown. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what I want. Exactly. I want like your King... Harley Race and WWF Harley Race. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. No, so here's so... how I feel about the skills competition. <laughs> Uh, first Kay. of all, I love the idea that they went to McDavid and worked with him to figure out how to develop yep. a skills competition that is going to get the boys excited, that is going to accentuate hockey skill. I I still am of the mind that you need the goofy stuff, and I think where we'll get eventually is 12 guys doing the traditional skills competition and then the guys who aren't participating doing the dunk tank stuff. Like I think that's probably what Steve Mayer from the NHL mm. has in mind going forward beyond this year. Um, but I also think the I know that people have a problem with the limited field. I think that's incredible, dude. Like I, I love the idea of following a small collection of the most skilled players through different events. It's going to make it feel like the decathlon. And you also get emotionally invested in the, the, uh, the progress yeah. of these guys who's winning, who's losing it. it I I'm sure you guys have talked to mayor about this, but it all stemmed from his time as a producer on a yep. battle of the network stars type show where you had a limited field of, of actors and actresses and performers going through like obstacle courses against each other. And you would get emotionally invested yeah. in, in those shows. And, and, and I love the application of that idea to the skills competition, because let's be honest. I mean, Not to call out any names or anybody, but there are times when you're watching something and you're like, oh, I wish I could see this person do this skill. And it's like, but this person hasn't done anything yet. So we have to make sure that he does this skill. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, that's not what I want to see. I'm excited for the limited field skills competition.
1: Yeah, uh, you and me both. Um, really quickly before we uh, get to the break here, Nazem Kadri on the other side from the Calgary Flames and oh. the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Yeah, oh. looking forward to talking to Naz. Um, what are you? Both, when this is all done, okay, then it becomes the uh, the next tent pole is trade deadline, and then after it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, so after this is all done, which team are you most curious about, either buying or selling? Or trying to get there, or making the decision to wave the white towel, and why is the answer the Pittsburgh Penguins?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, obviously the Jake Gensel of it all is is unavoidable. I mean, not only in the sense of like someone's going to be getting an elite winger if he moves, but it will also maybe yeah. give us a sense of where Kyle Dubas thinks this organization is. Um, I think I think that's that's a fascinating one. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you one though because I think this guy has been aggressive in the past. What, is, what does Kevin Sheveldayoff see when he looks at this team? Does he look at a team that needs further augmentation? Was his big trade the Dubois deal? What does he end up doing with a Jets team that clearly has something cooking, um, even if they've been a little up and down lately? Like, they're a great team. They're a great defensive team. They've got the best goalie in the league right now. They've got some players that can put the puck in the net. What does he see when he sees the Winnipeg Jets, and how aggressive will he be to maybe maximize their window Mm. to win
1: this year? The only thing I can – and again, like injuries of the wild card here, of course, but I do wonder about, like every other team, say it with me, Greg, one more defenseman. Sure. Oh, and by the way, I
0: I predicted this before the season – I said that that the that Billy Guerin might be a secret seller at the deadline. I don't think he should be secret about it anymore.
1: I I, I think the Wild he's he not he, digging in. He's not ready. He's not ready. He needs to be ready, man. The he's he not stinks. ready to do it. I know. But he that's needs not to him. do it. He, I know. I don't get it. fall I know. in love.
0: It's, it's Kill tough. your darlings, Bill Guerin. Kill your darlings. Break up this team. <laughs> Go make a better one.
1: <laughs> Uh no they still gotta get past the uh they still gotta get past the uh the the Parisi and 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 Souter hump and then they can get about to 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 make it oh by the way real quick uh what did you make of, of Parisi signing with Colorado that catch at a left field uh, real, real quick
0: it, it wasn't at of left field I I think that he, I, I want to say that I remember them being in the mix for him previous uh but I, listen they it's a, it's a good veteran ad on your fourth line undoubtedly I don't know how much he has left he looked pretty cooked last year. But uh, it's fine mm. You know The, the Avalanche Talk about teams That have one more One more piece To snap into yep. place what, what do you think uh, yep. Monaghan or Lindholm Out there Which one It's gonna be one of them
1: Which one is it For which team For, which, for, for which team One's more expensive Monaghan I yeah, think, that, I, honestly, I, th- I think, I think, I think they go big fish hunting. Uh, okay, a big fishing. Um, on that, we got to go. Nazim Kadri on the other side. Wish as always. Again, congratulations. Uh, your beautiful family is growing. It's a wonderful thing to watch. We'll talk to you Thank in seven days. So